This series of the For All Mankind podcast is brought to you by the Gardner Family Apothecary. Caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel's Silcox base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of the news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro. Hello and welcome to From Unkind, the podcast. Today's guest is an award-winning entrepreneur, owner of Love Cherish Boutique, and she's a mum to Ned and Molly. It is Maeve Dennehy. Welcome, Maeve. Thanks, Pam. How are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm excited. You are one of the busiest ladies I know, and you have kept the female nation of Ireland in style <laughs> the past year. <laughs> I think I became like um, something to watch during lockdown nearly. Do you know that kind of way? <laughs> the amount of people that say to me, you kept me sane through lockdown. I'm like, I felt like I was going insane, but thanks. Like, It was that light relief, the Maeve, of you and the team. Yeah, do you know what, Pat? It's funny, right? You know when like the first lockdown hit and we didn't really understand what lockdown was? And yeah. I remember it came out in the news, I think it was a Friday evening, and I remember saying, Stephen, I have to go into the shop and I have to bring home a load of clothes. And I filled my Jeep up with clothes like ridiculously over the top clothes genuinely think it would only be a three-week period and like every day putting on these over the top occasion wear dresses um and just showing them on social media to give people hope like little did i think it would be a year on you know what i mean i know but it was the best thing ever and i enjoyed it and you know what it it was a good um a great year in business as well so i can't complain yeah like your business has just grown this year it's been absolutely amazing and it's been fab as to look at you as, as an entrepreneurial woman, to be able to, to like diversify and just you know grow your business so much in yeah. the middle of a pandemic, that is a huge achievement, Maeve. Thank you. I suppose I just I never tend to. Stephen kills me, my husband, because I don't sit back and take stock. I'm just like, right, what we do next? What's next? Like that's just how I am. But like this year has been like really difficult at the start but also I'm so lucky that we got to grow this much we have a separate warehouse now it's a team of I'm actually not sure I think there might be 15 of us I'm not sure um of women that enjoy working together and fabulous customers shop is reopened again like I'm so lucky do you know what I mean and I love it so yeah I just feel really lucky and as a wife to someone who's mm. self-employed and has a similar business like <laughs> you understand I totally get it like it's yeah. a life commitment like I, it's, it's it is you are committed to the job and there is no like it's 24 7 yeah it is it is and you know what sometimes there's moments when it's funny because i was helping one of the girls earlier on in the warehouse bring in the bins and and as we were pushing them in i said is it really bad that i just had a thought that i might be happier just doing this as in bringing in the bins and (laughs) like doing that as a living and Catherine was like "Mm, it's a bit worrying to be honest (laughs) but like I have moments obviously where I'm like life should be easier than this but also I have so much freedom like I have I I will never miss Ned and Molly's plays I will never not be able to go to the doctors with them you know it 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 gives me the lifestyle I want and I was actually working with a business coach, coach recently and we were trying to she was trying to figure out you know what motivates me and stuff and I suppose I needed the help to figure that out as well and 
we went through loads of things and kind of the happiest moments in my life and everything and it came out that my number one value was freedom and I was like it actually is like when I feel I can do stuff even if I don't do them I love that feeling yeah do you know and I think having that business gives me that even though I mightn't always use it I have that freedom do you know what I mean yeah if a friend rings me I can go tonight and go stay with her and do you know what I mean I have that like and and I I kind of I think that's a, a massive benefit like and the freedom is often outweighed like you do have a massive commitment to this huge responsibility but Mm -hmm. for you like you said the freedom outweighs that it does it does and I suppose look it's different now as well I mean you know obviously I have it eight and a half years and you know I'm constantly like saying oh this new person starting now is going to free me up more and then I find myself getting tied into something else that I'm doing but that's my own choice as well do you know like I do thrive on being busy and being stressed and and coming up with new ideas and all of the rest of it. But like, I think that's part of being an entrepreneur or whatever. I hate that word actually. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like a serious imposter syndrome even saying it. But I think that's part of owning your own business, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure your husband's probably the same. Like, Yeah. And uh, so the reason, like, yes, there's many, a lot of nights he's working till midnight. But we have the freedom then, like you were saying, like he looks after the kids when I'm working. So we have that opportunity that he can you know or there's a day that the peter needs to go down to bandon for he, he goes to an osteotherapist he sounds very fancy go down to bandon <laughs> oh, for the osteotherapist actually probably my guy it's not very white is it um oh god I don't, see, i've actually never gone to these appointments um possibly anyway. <laughs> but ben brings him down there because i'm working i can't i don't have that, that flexibility yeah. yeah so ben can bring him down and yeah. for us Yes, there's a massive responsibility and accountability owning your own business, but the mm-hmm. freedom that he offers us as, as a family completely outweighs. That's um, it. You know, it really is the long like hours that are involved around it. So, it's, and there is a constant guilt. Like I constantly struggle with the fact that Stephen normally collects the kids and drops the kids, and is generally speaking the one that has the dinner on. But then at the same time. The kids are happy. They're well looked after. At the time I do spend with them, I do try for the couple of hours on the weekdays that I'm with them to have the phone put away because I am glued to my phone with my business. But yeah. also, like, I can go away for two nights and I can work on my phone. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I yeah. can do that. And I can just do that with literally my phone in my hand. So there has to be kind of, you know, I have to be grateful for that as well, you know? Absolutely. So Ned and Molly talk yes. to me about their... Will we say their creation? Because we, we were talking before this, where they're they're. Pam, this could go anywhere now. I can Ned, say anything here. Ned is a water st- <laughs> I have two waterstone babies, and you and Ned is your waterstone Ned baby. Is, he so is, he is. so we I were talking. Yeah, we were married. Oh, let me think. I don't know how many years. And like, I suppose I never really was like I can't wait to have kids but I never not wanted kids I hadn't yes. really thought about it Pam if I'm being honest we myself and Stephen had a great first few years of marriage as in we're big into travelling like and you know we kind of lived the high life really I suppose for a few years and we'd go away kind of for three or four weeks a year to South America or India or wherever it might be and we'd do kind of climbing for part of it and then we'd do a chill out for the rest of it and you know we had a great old time and then it's so funny because it's typical of me like I literally rang Stephen one day from the shop and I was like, there was an ad came on the radio for Waterstones Clinic. They were doing a free um, testing. And I rang Stephen and I said, I've just booked this into um, the, the fertility clinic in Cork. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, if you think about it, like it hasn't really happened for us. And I hadn't been watching dates. I didn't know my ovulation dates. I suppose I know so much more now. Yeah. Um, but I was like, let's just get tested. I was like, it's a hunt. I think it was actually, there was a free testing day. 
um, for women maybe like that they could check and then it might have been 150 for the man or something and he was like Stephen is cool out he's like yeah no bother so booked us in and we went for it not having a clue what was ahead of us and cut a long story short they came back and we had um, kind of chromosome issues okay that they were concerned about um, and they wanted to refer us to a genetic counsellor um, so we looked into it at the time now this was four years ago maybe even five years ago now and um, there was a four year waiting list at the time in Ireland um, so obviously I wasn't willing to wait four years you know I'm 41 now so I suppose I was 36, 37 then and um, we you know, we were like we'll pay whatever we need to pay you know we'll get money from our parents we'll go privately we'll travel to another country but it wasn't an option back then now I know now through social media that it is an option and there is you know there is more of them in Ireland now than there was back then um, so to cut a long story short we spoke to Waterstone and we agreed to just go ahead with treatment and and see how it went so we went ahead with treatment it was um ICSI treatment that we did so we did egg collection um I can't remember how many we had to be honest with you, how many embryos you know then every day you have to be in the clinic and see how many are left so which is definitely the worst part in my opinion um so did you do like a round of IVF as such? yes yeah okay. yeah yeah it's called ICSI when they insert the sperm into the the eggs okay and then put them back into you and then they collected the eggs yes yes so they collect my eggs then they inject them with Stephen's sperm and then they become and some of them become an embryo and yeah. then they monitor them for the week and they'll call you every day and they'll grade them and tell you how many are progressing or how many aren't there anymore um and the goal is to get to day five they're called a blastocyst on day five Okay. Um, and then like they want to transfer blastocysts because they are considered the ones that would be most successful okay so we as the week went on we were getting phone calls and you know it was going okay um and the day so day four they rang and said look we're a bit concerned it doesn't look great there's only two left um they don't seem to be um, a very good grading but you know we'll ring in the morning so they rang me on day five and said there's one here it's suitable for transfer come straight up um so we live an hour away so we got in the car and drove up, the van actually at the time, and drove up and when we got to the clinic, I can't explain it, but when we walked in, it was just this eerie feeling and they called, they said, we need to speak to you. So they called me into a room, um, I said with Stephen into a room and said, look, it's, it's gone. Um, they, it's, they said it's something they haven't come across in the past very often. It was very unusual, but it, they had nothing there to transfer. So we just literally had to get in the car and go home again. Um, and it was devastating, Pam. Like, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Like, we were just... I mean, like, we were so naive at the time as well. You know, we thought we'd do IVF and have a baby. Like, do you know? I know. Yeah. Um, and kind of thought that we'd have a baby and have more embryos afterwards frozen to have another baby. You know what I mean? I yes. just... I suppose we just thought it would all work out. So we came home um, and we're devastated, obviously. And to cut a long story short... Um, the clinic contacted us, you know, to say, look, what's happened is quite unusual and we'd love to meet with you and to discuss it. And I just couldn't, I just wasn't mentally ready. Um, so myself and Stephen booked a holiday for that, maybe that August, and we went off to Vietnam for a month, went travelling and had an absolute ball. And then when we came back, we were ready to, to meet with the clinic. So we did, and, um, you know, they, they went through it with us and said, like, looking at what they saw, that there was a strong possibility of us having a child with severe disabilities, um, that they didn't think that we should go ahead again um, without meeting a genetic counsellor and getting the proper advice. Um, 
and that they, they you know they were concerned for what would happen basically um so we came home and had a good long chat and just decided that we wanted to go ahead anyway so we went back to the clinic and they agreed that if we signed a, a legal letter saying that it was our risk you know um, yeah. that they would go ahead so we did and look it worked <laughs> like we had ned you know and we had another two frozen embryos as well so ned was born in october 2017 um best thing ever like it was just amazing really like he the first grandchild of both sides and like i had lost my sister um in 2013 so it was just such a joy do you know you yeah. know yourself pam yeah a baby is like they're magical like it just changes everything for everyone doesn't it yeah it's that new life it makes yeah. such difference yeah it really yeah. does oh it's just amazing like it really was um and everyone was just so happy and we were so happy and um it was brilliant um especially after going through such a, a pregnancy of worry because i was supposed to i told them that i would have the amniocentesis test and then she, the minute I was pregnant I was like I'm not having the test like I just I don't know I just was a I was in love with the baby before I had yeah. it and I didn't want anything to to change yeah. that I suppose you know yeah. um and we had the anomaly scan and everything but I suppose the amniocentesis would have been the one they would have recommended um, I suppose for you you're in your head you were like it doesn't really like it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. matter it that yeah she, the minute you're pregnant you're in love like that's it totally. like you know yeah there's there's no getting away from that like so um yeah we had Ned and everything was fabulous and um it was busy obviously with the business and everything else like timing wise it probably wasn't the best time of year to have a, a baby um facing into Christmas but everything worked out great and um I had done a lot of fundraising for Marymount Marymount to the hospice in Cork where my sister passed away and I had um kind of done fundraising every year at the shop every year that the shop is open a year I do a fundraising event for them but we had um we had missed the, the five-year anniversary of the shop because I was heavily pregnant it would have been the September um so I said to Stephen when it was about two months old I was like I'd love to have a big event so we planned this big event in the Charleville Park um with Sheila Shoiga and we had we had 600 women there it was amazing absolutely amazing Ned was four months old and we raised I don't know 25,000 from Marymount that's amazing wow but it's just this just a brilliant brilliant day like it just I can't explain it like but the feeling in the room that day it was just it was fabulous like uh, but my mum was at it obviously and um, my mum and my aunts came down and stayed in the hotel and my mother-in-law and all the rest of it and I think the following about a week after that I was going to Cork mum had an appointment um, with the doctor and I was bringing them up to drive them to it like that would be kind of normal I'd bring them places and do stuff and as I was on the way up it was the time with the really bad snow yes yeah as I was on the way up dad rang me to ring an ambulance he said mum was um having a I don't know we didn't know what it was at home stroke or something and uh it turned out that mum had a brain tumor um so she ended up in Marymount Hospice five weeks after that and passed away um when Ned was just four months but god this sounds like so dramatic but while mum was in CUH um obviously it was really hard to be there with Ned being so young and, and it was the storm like it was the snow I couldn't get back down here and there was no cars in Cork at the time it was just awful um I was staying in my friend's house who lives near the hospital but one of the nights when the snow and everything had passed and mum was up in CUH myself and Stephen went out um to see the stunning I had bought him tickets for Christmas and uh 
we got really drunk and had a great night and we, but we stayed in the Kingsley Hotel it's near the hospital yeah just in case something happened you know the one yeah yeah <laughs> so we stayed there just in case anything happened with mum you know because we live so far away and uh, the next day we went back up to the hospital I was so sick like I was like I actually can't go. you know the way a hospital with a hangover like in the heat it's not <laughs> It's horrendous when you're hungover. I think like, I have to get out of here. So we were coming home and oh, it doesn't sound very nice, but on the Mallow Road, I was literally vomiting. I was so hungover. And um, Stephen said to me, like, is there any chance you could be pregnant? And I was like, how, how could I? We just paid like, I don't know, 15,000 euros or whatever we had paid to have med. Like, um, but he, I suppose he recognised the vomiting and stuff because I had been yes. very sick on med. <laughs> We stopped and got a test, and yeah, I was pregnant on Molly. <laughs> so I got to tell my mom. I got back up to the hospital to tell my mom um, the next day. And even though she had a brain tumor, so her personality was starting to change a little bit. She understood, and we had a good chat about it. And I was lucky enough as well, Pam, to, to christen Ned um, with my mom because with my mom there, they let me take her out of hospital, you know. Um, and it was a fantastic day and everything. So although it's kind of a sad story, I did get to take her out for Ned's christening and I did get to tell her that I was having Molly. And, um, well, I didn't know it was a girl at the time, but I suppose I do feel like, you know, they sent me the little girl, like Karen. And my sister and mum were gone. And I just a had a girl then a couple of months later. And I don't know. I just feel like... There yeah, was like a greater being at yeah. work. Yeah. You know, I absolutely think there is... You know, we were talking earlier um, mm, mm. off mic about, you know, like when I had Alice and I just had this yeah. absolute urge to have another child and had it meticulously yeah. planned and, you know, I'd booked the appointment and wanted IUI. Even the fact that Peter arrived like two weeks early, I just, I, I genuinely felt like there was just something aligning that mum got to meet him and yeah. she had two months with him before she passed away. And yeah. I get such great comfort in that and that, you know, that yeah. they met and she like that, that she was there for the christening and mm. it's lovely to have. Those it is lovely. Though, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, it is like both of us have, have, it's a really tragedy for us that we don't have our mums, mm. but mm-hmm. I have such a strong sense that she's looking after us and I'm sure yeah. you know, yourself and your sister, you'd have the same yeah. feeling. I feel like it be, yeah, I feel, you know, I have a girl in my family, in my life again, like, and yeah that she was a little gift like I wasn't meant to get pregnant do you know what I mean and like it, it um yeah I do feel things happen for not I don't necessarily think it, things happen for a reason but I think sometimes you're given little gifts and you you have to you know look at how you might have gotten them and for me I think Karen and mum look after me all the time you know yeah I do I really do and you know just to go back to the fertility mm-hmm. and yes. you know I, like, I was in there like after having Alice and I was I very much knew there was a no, I really wanted another baby and and with you the two cycles it's very hard isn't it to not get caught up into the fertility treatment and constantly oh, obsessing and talking about it and oh like it just and like I remember saying to Stephen like let's not let this room what we have like we're such a good relationship like we're such crack and you know and the first time I did it, I was like, wait, I need to inject myself every night at 10 to 9 and I need to be lying down and I need to be... I was just so caught up in it, like, that it just took over. And it's funny because the second time that I did it, I had gone in the holiday with Stephen. I was in a different head place. I, I think when it didn't work the first time, I was really annoyed at Karen, which is ridiculous, I know, but I felt like, Jesus, could she just not have looked after me? Like, do you know? And I... 
maybe I relate too heavily on them, but I just think, I just remember thinking like, God, Karen, could you not have helped me with this one, do you know? Yeah. Um, and then the second time I did it, like I, I, you know, we'd go for dinner and I'd go to the toilet and inject myself. Or I remember going to the panto with my goddaughter and going to the toilet and injecting myself and living my life and not... Now, obviously, it's it's your whole life at home, but outside of home, trying to have some sort of normality, you know, that, that that it didn't take over completely. But it is very difficult not to, like... It, I it can't is, believe you were injecting yourself. Yeah, I did. I just had to, Pam. I had to mentally not leave it take over. So, like, I bought this... Um, like a freezer bag lunchbox thing yes, that yeah. you could bring with you and I'd bring my injections and off I'd go and do you know what it was the best thing I could have done it really was like I'm laughing because we could not be more opposite when it came to this oh, really? like genuinely <laughs> I remember the very first injection that we had to do with Alice um, to conceive <laughs> Alice it yeah. took us an hour an hour to do the first injection <laughs> I hate needles and Ben was like and there's a friend of ours who's a nurse and I got into like an hour into it and Ben was like Pam like we gotta do this and I was like he'd get close and I'd be like no don't do it don't do it oh. and then it got to the point where we were like should we call the nurse like are we gonna have to get a nurse in every night now to do this and I was like and then I actually do you know what I've never actually said this to anyone go on is that I actually said to myself do you know what people get chemo and if they can do yeah. that for the love of I God, know. Pamela, you can just get this tiny needle into your stomach. And I just needed that, I don't know, was it like perspective or something? And then, so we I did know. it the first night and I was like, okay, yeah. that isn't so bad. And then it got a bit better. Like it, it probably, each night we probably knocked off about 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. No, I literally, but I wouldn't let, like Stephen did mine. I put my back out on the first one and he had to do mine maybe twice. And oh God, it wasn't worth it. He was freaking out. I was like, just inject the needle. Like it'll be grand. Like, no, I didn't find it a bother. I really didn't. And with Peter, I, it's so funny. With Peter, yeah. I am. Um, <laughs> He so Alice this will tell you now, Alice was still asleep in our room. So I used to go yeah. lie down in our spare room, put mm-hmm. on my earphones, I used to listen oh, to a particular Jesus. no honestly, a particular Dermot <laughs> Kennedy song and I'd like psych myself up and I wouldn't even open my eyes and I would just give Ben like I'd like you know give him the thumbs up to go okay I'm in the zone like you'd swear to God now this was like a huge needle but I, I had to this was I just had to psych myself up for this time it didn't even hurt so I, if anyone's listening and they have the fear oh, it doesn't so, even it hurt it doesn't hurt at all at like all. I literally used to no. out about all of the time like but no. Stephen will tell you I am the worst person like for having sympathy for people who are sick or anything I think it's because I saw Karen you know she got sick at 29 and she passed away at 39 and I probably for like the like from yeah from about her five years onwards she wasn't sick all the time obviously but she went through different treatments and stuff and I would have been with her for most of them and she never complained and like she was so so sick during chemo and we'd go and get her hair shaved and you know so sick during radiation and everything like <laughs> Stephen said he could come in the door and his hand would be hanging off and I'd be like you'll be grand it's fine don't yeah. worry about it. I have no sympathy for people. It's an awful way to be. Like, I'm literally like, Karen was way sicker than you. Like, so that's probably why the injections, I was just like, yeah, it's grand. Yeah, it didn't was, bother it me. Was, yeah. It was definitely pregnancy and fertility made me address the whole needle situation. Like, it just <laughs> made me, it had to come to head at I some point in my life. I take that much time every night. That's exhausting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was traumatizing, like absolutely traumatizing. Um, you were so like I used to bring a spare one in the bag, obviously, because you know if you mess one up, it's like horrendous. 
So I used to bring a spare one in the bag just in case. But yeah, off I'd go with my handbag. No, I could like yeah. I actually could not. No, I look. It was like psyched up. Um, the music, the yeah, no, everything. It was all about this injection at like. And I think it was about half eight that we used to do it. I think every it was night. around that. I think it was ten to nine for some reason or yeah. that. Yeah, you have to do it the same time it? every night. So I was trying to make yeah, sure like, exactly. that Alice was in bed and there was definitely nobody going to interrupt us. <laughs> It's oh funny, isn't gosh, it? Like, and I had um, frozen embryos left over after Ned, so it was only last year that they contacted us and were like, what do you want to do with them? It's actually a weird thing, because I knew I didn't want any more kids. We still have to make that decision, like... Yeah, it's a big decision. Yeah, so you have a choice of donating them oh. to another couple, but it's another couple in Ireland. Um, I really struggled with that, because I was saying to Stephen, like, it's a fertilised embryo, do you know what I mean? It's literally yeah. myself and Stephen, it's not a, like, if it was an egg, an I would egg. be like, here you go, take it, you know, best of luck to anybody, because I know how hard it is, but it's a fertilised embryo, so we, um, we donated them to research, we were able to do that oh, in the end, but, that's amazing. yeah, so, yeah, no, it is good, like, but, still a weird feeling when they ask you what you want to do, you know? Yeah, obviously, I have Alice and Peter, and very fortunate, and, um, Peter is 11 months and like definitely was born like I did not have any sense of there's another baby still don't have it like I had it the second Alice was born I just had this urge for another one um, yeah I've given everything away and every so often Ben <laughs> would see another load of clothes going out the door or another oh that's me the minute I can get rid of it like uh, Molly changed from her cot bed into the toddler bed recently and she hated the toddler bed so about two weeks later I was getting rid of the toddler bed I'm like anything anything I can get rid of about the house I'm getting rid of yeah because for a while there it was literally like two high chairs do you know yeah. oh, it was just chaos like it was a mess and it's still a mess but it's a different type of mess yeah and it's getting easier now all the time and don't get me wrong, like I'm so grateful for what I have, but I don't want another one. Like, no, I'm so happy. I, I, you know, they're gorgeous kids. So blessed yeah. to have the two of them through fertility, yeah. and no, I feel completely complete. Like there's yeah. no doubt in my mind. I always did worry, like, would I, would I want a third one or? No, I'm just feel so happy that everyone. It's is a here. nice feeling when you know, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like I, I think it must be hard if you have that doubt. Whereas I'm like 100% no. Like yeah. we're so happy and yeah, no. Plus I'm forty one, like so. But yeah, no. It's a nice feeling when you know for definite. I don't know. Is it a little bit easier when you have a boy and a girl? I do, like not that it would have bothered me in the least if I had another boy. I would have been delighted because doesn't obviously doesn't matter once they're healthy. But I don't know. Does it make it that little bit easier when you don't wonder? Possibly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's great as well having like Alice is two years older than Peter. Yeah. And like yeah. you've got the the year between um, Molly and Ned, Ned and Molly, that, yeah. Ned and Molly yeah. yeah. Um, so you kind of know it gets easier, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm but I'm just trying to remind myself that at the moment of Molly because she is testing me. Like she is, honestly, like, and I, Stephen is so much more patient than me that he's sometimes he's like, I'm just going to take over here because you're going to kill each other. Like, <laughs> just she's just a mini me looking back at me, answering me. Like I'm just like. Yeah, they're Stop. the girls are they're um They're too clever though, aren't they? They're very clever. I feel like she yeah. knows how to play me. Do you know? Should I say that about my own daughter? I don't know. But I do. <laughs> yeah, no, they they are very clever. What phase do you think mm. or was it different between both of them that you kinda of went, This is really hard? Um what phase it was do you know what? I think the hardest time for me was 
when Ned had gotten settled with his sleep, he was a bad sleeper at the start, we had gotten him settled and when we brought Ned home, or Molly home, he cried and screamed. Like we used to stand in the hall, we live in a bungalow and like, you know, this th- debate between going in and soothing them or yeah. letting them cry, like, because we had done both, but we were at our wits end. We were nearly crying in the hallway, like trying to decide what to do because he was literally screaming some nights. It was horrendous. It was just so upsetting, like, do you know that kind of way? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was definitely the hardest. I really do. Yeah. And I suppose I, do you know, it was still like a blur, mum passing away. Like, you know yourself, you're all over the place. Like, yeah. Like, you know, my hormones during pregnancy or whatever, I don't think I grieve mum at all until afterwards. And I think that's the time when I wanted my mum, you know? Totally. Yeah. 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 You know, when it is so difficult, like, and I'm very lucky my mother in law is a good help to us, but I, I suppose I am sometimes, and I don't mean to be like this, but I see people with loads of help, and I'm like, do you have any idea how lucky you are to have that? Like, oh, completely. You know? Yes. Do you know? Yeah. For me, it's very much, I suppose, at the moment. And it's funny because this is a real, like, Instagram versus reality. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure people look at my Instagram, and I know people message me and they go, oh my God, how do you get out of the house and go places because like I, I just every Friday I try and or over the weekend mm. we go somewhere to a pet farm mm-hmm. or a boat trip or like we live in Kerry yeah. like we're so fortunate yeah. that there's places to go and people go how do you manage it and I'm like if mom was here she would have been with me mm. and it would be yeah. so much easier um, but I almost feel like I'm doing it to part of me is almost with her when I'm doing it okay because it's something we like we'd always be mad for road do you know what I mean we, yeah. we were like yeah. always on the go always going somewhere or, so but then I do see like I definitely caught myself at very like over the last couple of weeks and looking at the nan you know we were at, up at photo yeah. and I saw a family just like us but the nana was there as well and I was like oh mm. like you know you look at that and you just go it's like a bullet to the heart oh I just I say to Stephen all the time it sounds so selfish but I'm like my life would be so much easier if Karen was alive like I would just have so much help like as Stephen said she would have moved in during Covid because she wouldn't have stayed away from us <laughs> and now we would be fighting all the time like let's be under no illusions here there would be holy war going on like about how to raise the kids and how to dress them and everything else but like I just would have such an easy life. It would just be, yeah, so different. They're just your, they're, they're like another version of yourself, you know, so it's, yeah, um, yeah. it is, yeah. it's they, definitely they get hard. Like. Yeah. Yeah, but I like that you go away off with the kids and do stuff. That's a lovely idea. Yeah, and it, like there is so, and even I was actually saying to my sister yesterday that mm. we had gone back to Ross Castle in Clarny, which is so beautiful and it's, it's one of my yeah. favourite places to visit and you can feed the ducks, okay. but I had gone back um what was it maybe two weeks ago and I hadn't the last time I was there was with mom and it was almost like the exact same day and it was just a real like moment of going oh last time I was here she was here and it was you know but I'm very conscious of turning things and not being toxic positivity at all because there are moments where I will cry but in those moments I'm like I don't want to look back in every memory I have and taint them with blueness and sadness so that takes time though Pam doesn't it yeah like yeah that takes like that's the healing like I I remember Karen when Karen passed I remember I don't know how long afterwards reading all the cards and texts and stuff from people I think I even had Karen's phone I can't remember but I, were, I just for some reason this one message stands out in my head and somebody texted or sent a card saying in time the memories will make you smile through the tears and like it takes time to get to that stage yeah that you're like actually that's a happy memory do you know what I mean whereas I don't want to cry my eyes out what you know remembering it or whatever it might be like yeah. but that that's 
that takes time and I'm always trying to say that to people who've just lost somebody like is because people see me and they're like and you cope so well and I'm like it's been a long process do you know what I mean and it's almost something you need to practice it's almost like mindfulness oh. like you kind of need to yeah it reminds sometimes when I have a memory mm. like that I don't know if mm. you've ever seen the movie Inside Out is that up is it Inside no. Out I think it's called Inside Out it's a Pixar movie and it's about your okay. is it your three main emotions so it's like there's angry okay. there's happy and there's sadness and the sadness yeah. when she when she touches these memories and the, the child mm. has core memories and she touches them they're tainted mm. forever and you can't untaint them back so okay. the whole thing is, is about is about this little girl and her dealing with her emotions and, and the fight between the three emotions um, okay and it's really really sweet and so when I think okay. about a memory I, I get yeah. it, I almost get a visual of that movie and I'm like oh don't let sadness turn this memory this core memory that you have I know, into something like. sad forever because you may never be able to retrieve it back to a positive again so yeah. I just kind of just go no that's a really good memory and we're not going yeah. to distort that or ruin that for yourself because yeah. it's only yourself that you're going to do it for like it's you know yeah, they're your true, memories yeah yeah um, I will admit that I do put on my wedding video every time I need a good cry though Oh gosh, I do. Me. I, do. I said Stephen, like he's like, oh god, the wedding video is out. Video, I'm so old, aren't I? Um, DVD, whatever it's called. I'm not technical enough for anything else. Um, but like, it's the last. It's for all, like everyone's together, Karen and my mom and me, and I don't know. I just, yeah, I do. I put it on and then I just ball for about an hour and then I'm fine. Yeah. My sister. Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta do that. Oh, and you know when you know, because like a few days previous, I'm generally I'm not a cranky person most of the time, but like. A few days before it around the house, I'm snapping about stupid things that I know are stupid. And then eventually Stephen would be like, what is wrong with you? And then I'll bawl. I'm like, I'm just sad. I just need to cry. And then once I've had the cry, I'm perfect again. Yeah. And what part just... of your family life, mm. you know, from stuff you've picked up from your mum or like from your mm. dad or, you know, your yeah. sister, um, have you brought into your own home? Do you know what? small things like it sounds so silly right but like growing up we would have never ever ever gone to bed without kissing our parents goodnight ever like um and here at night time like it's like a big thing whoever's going to bed for us is to go around and kiss everybody and hug everybody goodnight and it sounds like chaos it is chaos normally because molly's like that wasn't your proper hug but like i just love that i love that we do that yeah um and like I grew up in a house like my dad is, oh, my dad's fab but my dad is very like let's talk it through do you know yeah like there was he he's just very reasonable and fair and I would like to think I bring that in at those times when I don't but like I like we grew up in a house where if there was an issue you sat down at the table and you talked about it and you'd literally go to the kitchen table and you'd have the discussion do you know what I mean yeah um and then Karen the, the parts of Karen that are in the house is just basically like Karen would have been like buy the kids everything they want like you know <laughs> yeah. like she would have been there's no point lying about like so sometimes we do spoil them a little bit but then I think do you know what she would have been doing it if she was here so so what and we can do it so why not do it for them totally do you know yeah I know so you know there is but there's you know like and you'd see even bits of their personality in them sometimes I think oh completely. like everybody says they can see my mum's boldness in Molly and I'm like yeah I can see it like, <laughs> like my mum would have been there was different there do you know that kind of way and Molly has it like definitely and that's lovely to have as well you know to, to yeah, watch no, that and, and see that part of your business is about mm-hmm. you know obviously it's a boutique so you're selling clothes but mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me what I've picked up from you is mm-hmm. the want to for people to feel good 
and to feel yeah. good in what they're wearing. And mm-hmm. you had two cesarean sections. Mm-hmm. So like you kind of know about the postpartum recovery and, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And finding confidence within yourself. Mm-hmm. How did you find those recoveries? And, you know, how like, I definitely think my body's shape has changed on the oh, second 100%. pregnancy like not so much after Alice but definitely a second pregnancy you can just see a change oh 100% like and I think with Ned um I had a an emergency section and I had to, my wound opened I don't know what I can't remember the word for it afterwards so I had uh, issues with that um but when I had Molly they actually tidied it all up so it's actually much better now. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I couldn't say I couldn't I would be lying if I tied it back to the babies and confidence but I suppose it would be more so for me that I have worked in the shop for the last eight years and watched so many women criticize themselves that I'm like do you know what you're actually lovely like like and the things that one woman would come into out of the dressing room and give out that her hips are too big the next woman will come out and say she's no hips like and I just think, do you know what? Like, it's such a waste of time and energy. Like, we're lovely. Like, we are absolutely lovely. And we just need to enjoy what we have. Like, I just, I, I, I can't, like, I suppose I just, I can't understand the obsession with being something else. Like, I know. Where, I don't understand it. Like, why not just be happy with what you have and learn to dress what you have? And I don't know, and just enjoy it. Like, it's. I just think life's too short. Like, do you know, yeah. like, Karen was absolutely beautiful, but, like, and never, you know, lived a very healthy life and died at 39. Like, oh, why waste your time and your energy just criticising yourself all the time? And it's, it's, I've learned as well that, that like, this negative talk to yourself is just, it's no good for anyone. No, it really it's not. Like, and, I, and I genuinely believe that when, somebody else talking about and I say this all the time when there's somebody else criticising like God you know if somebody's watching me in my stories and they say oh, she doesn't look great now today she's looking a bit heavy in that dress or whatever that's a projection of an issue they have mm-hmm. you know like I'm a good person I'm a lovely person you know like there's no need to judge me from somebody else unless they have an issue in their own life do yeah. you know yeah and it's at the end of the day it's a label on a clothes you know on an item exactly, of clothes like. and like we all know you know, mm. every brand, sure, every size is different. You know, it's, oh, it's I literally... Did an, um, I did an IGTV a couple of weeks ago. I did it on purpose where I tried on items of clothes from a size 10 to a size 16 that all fitted me. Stop. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, and I do it myself sometimes. I'm like, oh, well, I just try on the 12 and see if it fits me. But then I put on the 14 and I'm like, I'm way nicer in this. Yeah. Like, and nobody can see the tag. Yeah. It's complete. It's only me that can see that tag. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And it's... There, Emma Dowling, her username online mm-hmm. is Empowered Mama, and I remember her saying to me yeah. that the way we speak to ourselves is mm-hmm. we'd never speak to another human the same way that we speak to ourselves. I was only talking about this yesterday with Stephen because I <laughs> tipped my car ever so lightly into the car last Saturday, and it was a complete it just it was a complete accident it was a completely dumb moment i was in the car whatever i was doing i drive an automatic and i hit the accelerator instead of the brake we were stopped in traffic and i hit the car in front of me there was nobody injured but it was just and i came home and i was giving out to Stephen. i said how stupid am i like i'm driving 20 years and like why did i do that and then then i sat and i was talking to my brother-in-law about it and i thought if Stephen came home and did that i'd be like Are you okay Mm-hmm. you know don't worry about it it's, nobody was hurt small thing yeah but like when it's yourself and you beat yourself up you question it you overthink it like it's 
yeah we're just a lot meaner to ourselves than we are to anybody else you know yeah yeah and, it, and i think having the kids so young you want them to be kinder to themselves totally yeah and i've definitely like i make sure that i've definitely let go you know i feel like mm-hmm. i've spent my life going oh i wish i was this size or i wish i could wear that or do you know i'm like mm-hmm. stop because it doesn't matter and you're you're wasting your time and i'd hate for alice to to hear and i've seen that in the shop pam yeah to hear me saying women. something negative yeah. i'm like oh i hate yeah. that i've seen young girls in the shop and women are standing there going oh my bum is too fat and I, I don't fit like really negative uh, you know things about themselves and kids you know you said they pick up on everything everything like, yeah you know and like i do have days when i don't feel good I, there's no point in saying i don't like but I am able to step back from it and be like, maybe pull yourself together now tomorrow. Like, you know, you you know, go and do that little bit of thing you need to do to make yourself feel better, which sounds ridiculous. But for me, it might be just curling my hair and putting on a bit of tan and then I feel like nicer myself. Completely. Um, it's so silly. But that's okay too. Yeah, but listen, yeah. I got my nails done and I was like, yeah. do you know what? I always feel so much better when I have my nails done. I don't know yeah. what it is. And then I'm like, why don't no, I do I this more? It. Why do I not make the I time know. to do this for myself? <laughs> I think I'm the last person in the country to get my hair done. I'm getting my hair done next Tuesday. I can't wait. I've caught it with a kitchen scissors. She's going to kill me. But anyway, it'll be fine. Maeve, it's this time of the episode. I have to ask you a final oh, three oh questions. God. I know we could actually talk for the nation. Forever. Um, what would you tell your pregnant self? Um, I, it's funny, right? When I, I told you the whole story about getting pregnant on Ned, and I remember texting the girls because when I didn't have the amniocentesis, I text the girls, like, you know, the girls' WhatsApp group. And I was like, I can't wait to just have this baby and not worry anymore. And a few of them had had kids. And I remember one text back and she's like, the worry would only begin. And it's so true. Like, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time worrying during pregnancy and just enjoyed being pregnant and saved the worry for when I had had the baby. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Like, it was just such a waste of energy that I didn't need to do. Like, and it's so true. You worry for the rest of your life. Like, you know. Yeah. And actually, you know, when they're in your belly, when you're pregnant, that is like the yeah. least, like, it's, they're a happy out there. <laughs> so much easier. I also wish, sorry, I've gone off a little bit, but I also wish that I understood how easy a newborn is. But you don't know that until afterwards. Like, you can go anywhere with a newborn. Yeah. Throw them in this, this car seat and go. And you could feed them. You could, you know, it's... But you don't know that until you've gone past that stage with your first. Yes. Yeah. Do you know? Totally. What one product could you not live without? One product could I not live without? Um... <laughs> like, this changes the different stages in your life. Right now, it would be my coffee machine. I know that's really bad, but it actually would be. Like, I bought Stephen a coffee machine for Christmas as a present, which is much more a present for myself. And I probably do drink about six coffees a day. I have started drinking coffee. The kids literally drove <gasps> me to coffee. Did you not drink it before? No, never. I absolutely hate the oh smell of it. Oh God, it's my like fix. It's completely like, I have to have coffee. Like the girls at work are even like, do you want to get a coffee? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll get a coffee. Yeah. It's so important. And what has been your magic moment? My magic moment. I did think about this because obviously I knew you asked this question on podcast. And I, it's so hard to define one, isn't it? Um, I, yeah, I think 
I think it was when I got pregnant on Ned. I remember coming down. You're not supposed to test, you know this, for a certain number of days after my um, embryo transfer. And of course, I tested early. Like, And Stephen was in the sitting room doing yoga. And um, I came down the hall with like this faint, faint line on the test. And I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, you're not supposed to do the test. I was like, I know, but I'm pregnant. And I think it was like, A, knowing I was pregnant. B, kind of like, I told you so like I, I suppose I have this thing where somebody tells me I can't do something I it's nearly like drives me to want to do it so when we were having difficulties I was nearly like I'm going to prove them wrong and I think as well then I felt like Karen had looked after me because I was annoyed with her you know yeah. so I kind of forgave her then <laughs> um yeah, I know it sounds absolutely crazy I still have that pregnancy test in my room oh listen I have I, I have them as well <laughs> do you poor Molly then I don't even remember doing one for poor Molly poor Molly nothing we have no like you know there's no journal of my pregnancy or nothing. It's just like she just arrived. And, and you know, I was actually really paranoid about Peter and not having photos because he's a lockdown yeah. baby and we went nowhere. And um, like superimposing him into stuff. Yeah, and hi, so I printed <laughs> off all the photos and then I started putting it into an album. And there's essentially yeah. a full album of just pictures of Peter asleep in various areas around the house. <laughs> And Ben is like, Pamela, is that a full album of the child asleep in different positions and different outfits? And I was like, well, you know, it was locked out and like this is his life. Awful, though. I find if somebody says to me, when did Ned first walk? I can tell you like Molly, I, on, the first year of Molly's life though was a complete blur because Ned is a baby. She's yeah. a baby. I haven't a clue what happened, but they got through it. It's survival mode. Like, it is, isn't yeah, it? Like, absolutely. It really is just like, okay, I can do this and get out the other side and yeah. Funny now to look back in it though. Oh, Maeve, thank you so much for the chat. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks a million, Pam. I enjoyed it. You're just gorgeous. I know. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you would like to send me a message, please email forallmankind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you in the next episode of the podcast. Gardner Family Apothecary are the official sponsors of For All Mumkind podcast, caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel's Silcox base to Elav's sensitive beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro.